If you would please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. Matthew chapter 15. We're beginning in verse 21. This is God's Word. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They've already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. His disciples answered, where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd? How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. He told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, and when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples, and they in turn to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven baskets full of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was 4,000 besides women and children. After Jesus had sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. When we read about Jesus' response to this woman, this Canaanite woman, it just just doesn't sit well with modern Americans. I mean, she's crying out for help, and Jesus doesn't answer her, doesn't respond with even a word. She keeps crying out 
And Jesus' disciples come and they say, Lord, please help this woman. No, that's not what they say. They say, Lord, please send her away. Get her out of here. This is irritating. Jesus doesn't do what they said either. And her cries continue until finally she comes and she kneels before him. And she says, Lord, help me. Now Jesus had responded to his disciples that he came for the lost sheep of Israel. You read the book of Romans, which I hope you do, you see that salvation is offered first to the Jews. And the Jews say no. Not all of them. Obviously, the New Testament writers were Jewish. Jesus is Jewish. This is not an anti-Jewish faith. And nobody who knows Jesus can be anti-Semitic. But... The Jews were to be given the first opportunity. And when their response was no, then the gospel goes to the Gentiles. That's most of us. Okay? Thank God that we have the opportunity. And then, you read the book of Romans, at the end, there's going to be a huge harvest of Jewish people after the full number of Gentiles has been brought in. The full number, as if God knows ahead of time, as if God planned ahead of time, as if we were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, which I read in here. So, this woman is coming and asking for mercy, and Jesus doesn't respond the way that we think he should. We think Jesus, hearing a cry for help, should immediately turn and say, I'm sorry, who is that? Oh, what can I do for you? Certainly. Because that's the way we want to be treated. Don't you hate it when you're sick and you finally get miserable enough to call the doctor and the doctor's assistant, who's the only person you can talk to, says, um... Let's see, we have some openings uh, two months from now. And you're like, two months from now, I'll either be well or dead. Right? Okay. Do we all have to go to the emergency room? Have you ever been to the emergency room? You go to the emergency room, and if the blood isn't spurting out, they're like, have a seat. I mean, it's like, I need help. I wouldn't come to the emergency room for fun. We've got heat at our house, and I'm here because I need help. I'm telling you, my wife and I have been in the emergency room more than a few times with our oldest son. It is no fun. It is no fun. This woman is begging for help. And Jesus when she finally comes and kneels before him and says something beautiful, and that is, Lord, help me. Lord, she's acknowledging his position. Help me. He says, it is not right to take the children's bread and give it to their dogs. 
Excuse me? You're calling me a dog? That was the pejorative term for Gentiles that Jews used. Okay? Those people were dogs. It's in the Psalms. It talks about Messiah as he's dying, being surrounded by dogs. Uh, Any idea who that was? That was the Gentiles, the Romans. These soldiers that are standing there. They're called dogs. I don't think Jesus ought to talk that way. And if he said that on occasion, I, I don't think we ought to include that in the book. Well, God the Holy Spirit inspired the scriptures and wanted us to know that Jesus said that. So does that mean you and I can say mean things to other people and use pejorative terms in order to put them down? No. Why would Jesus do this? Well, do you remember the rich young ruler? The guy who comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's no one good except God. Now, was Jesus saying that he wasn't good? Or was Jesus saying that he's God? Or was he saying that the rich young ruler needed to be more careful, not just in what he said, but in the way he saw himself? You see, the rich young ruler was confident in his own righteousness. He knew he was, he was coming up short somehow. So it's like, what do I have to do in order to make this work? But he saw himself as a really good guy. And when Jesus says, you know the commandments, he says, oh yeah, I, I've kept all those ever since I was a kid. And we've said before, Jesus could have taken him to the Sermon on the Mount and said, you think you've kept the law? You know you're not supposed to commit adultery, Right? Well, I'm telling you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery in your heart. You know you're not supposed to commit murder, right? But I'm telling you that if you hate somebody, you have murder in your heart. Jesus could have shown him in that way that he was not good. But Jesus begins by saying, forget it, bub. Nobody is good except God. You might want to write that down. Because that is behind what Jesus is doing with this woman. Jesus is making it clear you're asking for something, but you don't deserve what you're asking for. Lord, help me, she said. Jesus said it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. She responded, well, I never, and got up and stormed off. I've never been treated so badly in my life. I heard that man was a holy man. I had heard wonderful things about him. I heard he could help people, and that he'd helped lots of people, and I thought I could get help from him, but he spoke to me as if I was a dog. That's not what she did. Instead, She said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. You see, she wasn't going to give up. She wasn't going to defend herself. She wasn't going to argue with Jesus about her standing. And Jesus 
said, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. Done. I mean, boom, what happened? Well, Jesus tells a story one time about two men who went up to the temple to pray. And one of them was a very religious guy, like the people he dealt with earlier in this chapter. They were all into hand-washing and following all kinds of rules that were made by men and not by God. And, and he goes up to the temple, he says, Lord, I thank you that I am not like other men. I do this and this and this and this and this that's good. And I don't do bad things. Jesus says God wasn't listening. He was just talking to himself. He was praying at the temple, but he was basically just patting himself on the back. Jesus says there was another man who came to the temple to pray. But he was so ashamed he couldn't even look up. He just, with his head down, hit his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, that man went home justified. Why? Because he wasn't asking for what he deserved. He was asking for what he needed, which was mercy, which was grace. This woman, when Jesus says something that even in that culture would be offensive, she didn't argue. She didn't say, wait, my little girl deserves your help. You know what we deserve? Hell. My wife and I did a, it was either our first or second book. And um, it's titled, Every Child Deserves Straight A's. I like that title. Um, I still like that title. Uh, Basically, we're talking about the fact that children need attention, affection, affirmation, accountability. You got it? That's what kids need, and we're saying that's what you should strive to give young people. But I've said before, we could have done another book, and we still could. Maybe we will. Titled, Every Child Deserves Hell. Well, it's true! It's true. You may not like that. Hey, don't talk that way about me. Well, it's true. We all deserve hell. Why? Because we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We don't deserve good things. I know a wonderful ministry in another state, and their slogan is, for deserving young people. I'm thinking, ah. I worked there. I know some of those young people. They deserved something. (laughs) So do I. I deserve hell. You understand? All of us fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I, I came close. No, you didn't. No, no, you didn't. Well, compared to that person, well, okay, let's go back to our illustration of swimming to Europe from Jacksonville, Florida. We go to the beach, it's really a lovely day, we're feeling ambitious, and I say, hey, have you ever seen Westminster Chapel? Where's that? London. Let's go. Okay? I'll race you. 
and we dive into the water and we start swimming, well, I'm really not a very good swimmer. And in that situation, it is very likely that if I did my very best, I would still drown within sight of shore. But some of you might be really good swimmers, and you might swim the best you've ever done, and you would swim far enough out that even though with binoculars you could be seen drowning from shore, without binoculars, people would think, well, maybe they made it. But let's suppose that one of the greatest swimmers of all time is there in Jacksonville with us. And inspired by our dedication and enthusiasm, he decides to swim with us. And he makes it over the horizon, which is 10 miles, by the way, over the horizon. And he keeps going and he sets a record. He swims 150 miles. That's amazing. It's never been done before. You should have heard the announcers talking about the half-pipe guys last night. You've never seen anything high, and you're never going to see anything like that again, perhaps, because, okay, well, this guy swims farther than anybody's ever been, and then he drowns, okay? Now, compared to me, that guy's <laughs> magnificent. Compared to England... He's still in Florida. You understand? His very best record-setting performance is so far short of the goal that if you went up with a satellite and looked down with a sharp telephoto lens, you'd be able to see Jim died here, this person died here, and the champion swimmer died here. And here's England. Okay? All of us fall so far short of the glory of God that none of us has any right to come to God and say, you owe this to me. Okay? Think about all the things I've done for you. I could have done this, and instead I said no, because I'm trying to do what you want me to do. Now, Lord, I think you owe me this. He doesn't owe us. We owe him. The one thing he owes us, the wages of sin, is death. That's what we've earned. So when this woman comes to Jesus, Jesus clarifies that she does not deserve what she's asking for. That doesn't mean he's not willing to give it. He just has to clarify the terms. Was Jesus focused on the Jewish people at this stage in his ministry? Absolutely. But it's interesting that what happens right after that is the second feeding of a multitude. We already read it, so I won't read it again, but Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee, and then he went up on a mountainside and sat down, and great crowds came to him, and these crowds that came to him Biblical scholars debate where exactly Jesus was and who these people were, but there's a popular view going around right now that I find appealing, but I can't substantiate it because there are other Bible scholars who are saying no, and there are some brilliant, well-credentialed Bible scholars who are saying yes, and I'm saying 
I don't know, I wasn't there. And it doesn't say. But the suggestion is made, all four Gospels, as you know, tell the story of the feeding of the 5,000. Only Matthew and Mark tell the story of the feeding of the 4,000 also. There were two feedings of the multitude. But the suggestion is being made that because of where Jesus was geographically at this point, this group that came to hear him may have been largely Gentiles. Just like that woman whose daughter was suffering horribly from demon possession. The people, when they saw the miracles that he did, because they came bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. And the people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Now, does that mean they weren't Jewish? Not necessarily, because if Jewish people were in the synagogue, they would offer praise to the God of Israel. But the use of that phrase right here and the geography where this is taking place suggests that this may have been a largely Gentile group. And Jesus, who was not one to give the children's bread to dogs, agreed with this woman that the dogs can have the crumbs. So, Jesus fed this multitude. So are you saying this, the, the, the first uh, group of 5,000 men plus women and children, that's Jews? Yes, that's, that's for sure. This group, the 4,000 men plus women and children, uh, this is Gentiles. I'm saying that there is some evidence to suggest that, and some very credible scholars believe that. And I don't know. What I do know is this. If you're tempted to think that Jesus was cruel in his dealings with the Syrophoenician woman, the Canaanite woman, you are forgetting the fact that Jesus didn't just come to heal the sick, to cast out demons, and to give people a free meal. Jesus came to die on a cross so that whoever trusts in him could have eternal life. You know what that woman, the Canaanite woman, wanted? She wanted her little girl to be set free from demonic bondage. But you know what? If a person is set free from demonic bondage and they don't receive the Lord, Jesus says they're going to end up worse off than they were before. And some of us have seen that happen. This woman and her child 
didn't just need deliverance in that moment. They needed a savior. They needed somebody to take the punishment that we all deserve for our sins. And Jesus had come to do that. And the way it was going to happen was that he would offer himself to the Jews and they as a group would reject him and he would die on that cross as the prophets and psalmists had, de- had described and then he would conquer death and bring eternal life to all who believe. Jesus was not cruel to this woman, even though in the moment it might look like that to us. You and I will find ourselves at times praying for God to do something. God, please help this person. God, please heal this person. God, please meet this financial need. God, please do this. And initially, we feel like this. Jesus did not answer a word. God, please, just give me some encouragement. I remember years and years ago when our son Paul was going through, he was about to turn two years old, and he was going through a horrible series of shunt failures. The tube that carries off the excess fluid from the center of his brain into his abdomen back then. That tube kept getting blocked. It kept coming apart. It kept messing up. And the doctors at Children's Hospital in Boston operated and operated and operated. And he'd get better and then he'd get worse, and then he'd get better, and then he'd get worse. And we didn't know if he was going to make it, and they didn't know if he was going to make it. Well, Clayton had already been born, and so we had to leave him with friends a little bit outside of Boston and go back and forth. My wife was nursing Clayton, And we were both trying to take care of Paul in downtown Boston at Children's Hospital. And we're going back and forth and back and forth. And on one of those trips, we sat in our friend's backyard while she had been with Clayton. And I said, Susan, you know, if God would just tell me that he's going to heal Paul, I'd be okay. And if God told me that he's going to take Paul to heaven, I'd be okay. But this not knowing, this up and down, back and forth, I just, I, I just can't handle this. And she said, since when do we ever know? She said, we could be killed in a car wreck on the way back to Children's Hospital. We could be with Paul at the hospital, and the dean's house could burn down and kill Clayton and them. She said, we don't know, but God does, and we just have to trust him. Thank God for my wife, a godly, wise woman with a biblical perspective. You and I behave as if somehow we deserve something good from God. We do not. That's why we sing Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me.
Jesus didn't owe any of this to us. God didn't owe any of this to us. But God brought salvation for all who believe. If you are trusting in Jesus, you're going to go to heaven not because you deserve it, but because he chose to rescue us. Hallelujah. And if you ever find yourself in a situation where God doesn't seem to be cooperating and doing what you think needs to be done, just remember he's God and he knows everything. He understands your situation far better than you do. And I thank God for all the prayers I've prayed where he said yes. And I thank God for all the prayers I've prayed where he, in love and wisdom, said, not like that. Not right now. No. Why would he do that? Because he knows best. But I want this. God says, I know you do, but I want you to want me. Because I will do exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or imagine if you will just trust me. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Father, thank you so much. Whether these folks were Jews or Gentiles or a mixed multitude, doesn't really matter because you were already in the process of implementing that plan that you had from all eternity that you would draw together a bride in which there is no dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. And you will have around your throne for all eternity people from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Lord, your plan is perfect. And your timing is perfect. And I am so glad that hundreds of years ago when people were praying for your return, you waited because you wanted to save us. Lord, we don't know what the timeline is. Jesus said we wouldn't. But we thank you that you do, Father. You know exactly what you're doing. And we thank you that Jesus did exactly what you told him. And he said exactly what you told him to say, even to the Canaanite woman. He said what was needful. He did what was right. We thank you that her daughter was delivered from those demonic forces. And we thank you that those people there on that mountainside not only experienced healing, but they experienced a miraculous provision of food. And yet, we do not know how many of them will be in heaven. We only know that everyone who is in heaven will be there not because of what we've done, 
but because of what you have done for us. And so we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.